Welcome to Today on Broadway for Friday, June 29th, 2018. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. I'm on my own today because last night I went and saw the big screen presentation of the Broadway musical Bandstand. I'll have a little more on that later, but first, yesterday was a big day chock full of news, so let's get into it. First, apparently, following a three-decade absence, the three-month run of Three Tall Women wasn't enough to satiate recent Tony winner Glenda Jackson's appetite for the Broadway stage. Just four days after closing the Scott Rudin-produced John, I mean Joe Mantello-directed revival of Edward Albee's Pulitzer Prize-winning show, Rudin announced that Jackson would return to the New York stage in the spring, playing one of the most demanding characters in the English language, the title role in William Shakespeare's King Lear. No director or additional casting or even theater has been announced, but the production will begin previews on March 6th of 2019, with an opening night on April 11th at a Broadway theater to be named. Jackson made her return to the stage in 2015 following a more than two-decade career in the British Parliament, and then a year later actually took on the role of Lear at the Old Vic directed by Fiona Shaw. However, this production will be completely new, and I, for one, would love to see it directed by gender-bending Shakespearean director Phyllida Lloyd. No matter who Scott Rudin ends up getting to direct this production, I would imagine that you could probably go ahead and slot Jackson in as the frontrunner to win her second straight Tony next year. In another bit of Shakespearean-related casting, yesterday the Roundabout Theatre Company announced who will play Fred Graham slash Petruchio in their upcoming revival of Kiss Me Kate opposite Kelly O'Hara. As he did in the benefit concert that preceded this production, Will Chase will play the dual role, returning to the RTC following his Tony-nominated turn as John Jasper in 2013's The Mystery of Edwin Drood. Chase was last seen on Broadway replacing Christian Borle as William Shakespeare in Something Rotten after Borle had replaced Chase, who had played the role through a large portion of the development process, but then TV commitments took him away from the project. Kiss Me Kate, currently the only musical revival slated for the 2018-2019 season, will begin performances on Valentine's Day at Studio 54. It is currently scheduled to be a limited run through only June 2nd, probably a week before the Tony Awards, but I would bet dollars to donuts, and man do I love me some donuts, that it will at least extend, if not transition, to an open-ended run. Scott Ellis will direct, and Warren Carlyle will choreograph. We will have some more exciting casting news here in a little bit, but first, let's turn our attention to some shows that have opened over the last few days. It's been a pretty busy week, so I wanted to quickly run through a few of them. First up, earlier this week, Classic Stage Company opened the first major New York revival of Oscar Hammerstein II's Carmen Jones, directed by CSC's artistic director Tony winner John Doyle, and starring Tony winner Anika Noni Rose and Clifton Duncan. In the show, Hammerstein transports the classic opera Carmen to the American South during World War II, where an all-African-American cast sings new lyrics set to the iconic opera melodies of George Bizet. Ben Brantley of the New York Times said, quote, Mr. Doyle has a way of taking a stethoscope to overdressed shows, listening for the compelling heartbeat beneath stereotyped surfaces, and translating what he hears into elegantly Spartan stagecraft. But Carmen Jones may be his most unexpected act of reclamation. In this version at Classic Stage, the doomed title character and the people whose lives she damages often seem as timeless as the beautiful and damned of Greek tragedy. 
Robert Hofler of The Rap says, quote, It's a little odd to hear Carmen's arias sung by a soprano, but Anika Noni Rose seduces with an ultra-cool presence, if not the requisite low notes. She sits back and lets the men on stage, as well as the audience, come to her. In a very intimate off-Broadway theater, it's not easy to sing opera without showing the physical effort involved. We're essentially watching her in close-up throughout the show. Rose gives a masterful minimalist performance, one that's delivered with utter confidence, which is the hallmark of every great Carmen. Now, this is one of the shows that I saw on my trip to New York last week, and I am 100% in agreement with these and the other rave reviews. The production is powerful and vibrant and sexy and strong. The cast... uh, Every one of them sounds incredible, and despite consisting of only 10 people, 5 men and 5 women, there is a fullness and an energy to everything that happens on stage. I know it's unlikely that this would ever happen, but I think that John Doyle would be the perfect director to transfer this type of production to Broadway, where it can be seen by an audience the size of which it deserves. I don't know if that would happen, I don't know if this would be a good show for a commercial run, but man, I would love it if it did. If it doesn't, I do at least have my fingers crossed for at least us getting a cast album of the off-Broadway production. But, while it's not a Broadway transfer yet, we did learn yesterday that CSC has extended the show from July 29th all the way to August 19th. This is one that I highly recommend, so get your tickets now. Hopefully, there'll be a large demand for these additional weeks. Another tough ticket off-Broadway is the latest one-person show produced by Audible at the Minetta Lane Theater. This one starring stage and screen star Carrie Mulligan is Dennis Kelly's Girls and Boys, directed by Lindsay Turner. Having done the show at London's Royal Court last year, in the show, Mulligan plays a woman who falls in love at an airport, and the show chronicles the hilarious and heartbreaking turns that that relationship takes as it all falls apart. Again, back to Brantley and the Times. Because this woman is portrayed with unswerving focus by Carrie Mulligan, one of the most compelling stage actresses of her generation, there is never any question of her not succeeding in this mission, which he referenced earlier, which I won't spoil for you. For the more than 100 uninterrupted minutes that make up Dennis Kelly's Girls and Boys, in which Mulligan is the entire cast, you are unconditionally hers. Joe Dominowitz of the Daily News says, quote, Words couldn't truly capture just how thrilling, shattering, and simply phenomenal Mulligan is. Seeing is believing. And finally, Frank Sheck of The Hollywood Reporter said, quote, New York City offers plenty of excellent acting courses, but there is no finer masterclass currently available than the one being presented eight times a week at the Minetta Lane Theater. It's there that Carrie Mulligan delivers an unforgettable performance in Dennis Kelly's one-person play Girls and Boys. For anyone interested in the art of stage acting, attendance is mandatory. The last show that we're going to look at is the New York City Center off-center concert production of Jason Robert Brown's song cycle, Songs for a New World. This very short run just plays through tomorrow and stars Colin Donnell, Shoshana Bean, Soleil Pfeiffer, and Michael Kilgore. Laura Collins-Hughes, writing for the New York Times, said, quote, There are plenty of musicals that welcome every bell and whistle that a director can throw at them. Shows that, in the spareness of a concert performance, set spectators to dreaming about how gorgeous a full production might be. Then... There are rarer creatures that demand simplicity above all, shows that find their true best form in concert. Jason Robert Brown's Songs for a New World is one of these, currently flourishing in a glorious encore's off-center iteration, savvily directed by Kate Wariski at New York City Center. In desperate need of a restorative evening, here's one. 
Then we have Matt Winman from AM New York, who says that the cast provides, quote, powerhouse vocals coupled with great acting choices, including Bean's comic flourishes, Donald's beat up bitterness, Pfeiffer's soft romanticism, and Kilgore's all out soulfulness. If you can get a ticket to one of the few remaining performances of Songs for a New World, it sounds like it will be well worth it. And, you know, just throwing this out into the universe, it sounds like this would be a good one for us to get a cast album for, too. You know, just saying. Okay, and now for some other news that came to light yesterday. First, following the casting change announced on Monday, in which Dennis Arnett would replace Tom Skerritt in the Broadway production of Straight White Men, Second Stage has announced that they would be pushing back the first preview performance from tonight to tomorrow night. Ticket holders for this evening's show and tomorrow's matinee will be contacted directly to either rebook or receive a refund. Opening night at the, I'm still calling it, Helen Hayes Theater will remain unchanged for July 23rd. Next up, the London Daily Mail's Baz Bomberboy hit us with a pair of casting announcements, one surprising, one not, about the upcoming stage adaptation of the classic film All About Eve. Directed by Evo Van Hova, it's long been assumed that Gillian Anderson would be playing the role of Margot Channing, replacing Kate Blanchett, who bowed out due to scheduling conflicts earlier this year. Baz confirmed that, so that wasn't a surprise. But what is, is that she will be joined by Lily James as Eve Harrington. James will be seen as the young Donna Sheridan in Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again this summer, and of course came to fame on Downton Abbey and is the title character in Disney's live-action adaptation of Cinderella. She's also one of the people that I think could be cast as Glinda in the Wicked movie, so we'll see how this goes. All About Eve will bow in the West End early next year. And finally, yesterday we learned that Harry Potter and the Cursed Child would make its West Coast debut in the fall of 2019 at San Francisco's Curran Theater. No official dates were announced, but you would have to assume that it will be a lengthy sit-down as the Ambassador Theater Group, which owns the show's New York home, the Lyric Theater, will lead operations of the theater during the run. So, in addition to this production in the City by the Bay, with the recently announced Australian productions, in a little over a year from now, there will apparently be four companies of Harry Potter and the Cursed Child playing worldwide, you know, assuming neither the Broadway or West End production closes before then, which I think has a worse likelihood of happening than me actually becoming a real-life wizard, so I think we're safe to say that there'll be four by the fall of 2019. If you would like more information on any or all of these stories, please check out the show notes at broadwayradio.com. Johnny made it home, most of him at least Had three operations, but the pain has not decreased Nick learned to survive, means you never trust Once you've seen the worst in man, then how do you adjust? Davy cracks a joke, claims to be alright Drinks a fifth of vodka in his kitchen every night And I stand here trying, like Mother Mary With my private burden of grief to carry Okay, before we go today, I just wanted to give a few thoughts about the big screen presentation of Bandstand that I saw last night. Most of you have seen the show either on stage or screen, so I won't get into the plot, but I do want to say that I really enjoyed and appreciated this little musical. Over the last few months, a lot of people have talked about what some consider the base commercialism of Broadway, and how everything's just an adaptation or a money grab based off existing intellectual property. But this was a show that told an original story with original music and tried to portray true-to-life characters that don't often get their stories told in a musical. 
While it was certainly not a perfect show, and I have no idea if it would have fared better at the box office or the Tonys had it waited a year to come in, head over to the Broadway World message boards if you want to chime in on that one, uh, I think that it had a tremendous amount working for it. Tony-winning choreography from Annie Blankenbuehler was obviously fun and effective, but the central performances were just fantastic. Corey Cott was marvelous at touching, and man, can that dude sing. And then there's Laura Osnes, whom I spoke with on a special episode last week. I think that just about everybody in the theater community loves Laura because she's obviously so incredibly talented and one of the most genuinely lovely people around. However, I'll be damned if she didn't just tear my heart out with her performance of Welcome Home towards the end of the show. Man, it was it was brutal. I'm tearing up right now thinking about it. I'm just very glad that I had a lot of napkins uh, close by to uh, help with my popcorn because I needed them during that song, that's for sure. So if Bandstand gets some extra screenings from Fathom or if it ends up on a streaming service or even if a production is playing near your hometown, I think it is definitely worth seeing. Again, it's not going to be the best musical that you've ever seen, but I think that it's important to support shows that attempt to do the things that this one does, especially since it does them pretty well. Okay, thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Matt. We will have some shows in the feed this weekend, including this week on Broadway on Sunday, and then James and I will be back to start your week on Monday. Until then, have a great Friday and a wonderful weekend.